Welcome back to another episode of Peter's Proffer here in the courtroom of current events. And today we've got a fun episode. We're going to talk about presidential pardons. It is kind of a crazy topic if you look at some of the things that have been pardoned in the past and some of the people that have been pardoned in the past. And it kind of goes under the radar, and I don't think people talk about it enough if they realized some of the heinous crimes and the huge sentences that have just gone away based on a presidential pardon. We're going to talk about what it is, whether it's unlimited or how it's limited in any way. Um, It's going to be old school, just Pete, myself, and my dad sitting around talking about this one. If you guys want to hear any other topics like this or any topic you feel like hearing us or some expert talk about, hit us up on any social media site at Tragos Law. You can also post the uh, question to our podcast page on Facebook, which is Peter's Proffer. Um, you can even email me, petertragos at greeklaw.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to have a review or some comments about what you want to hear and what you think about the podcast. So buckle up, because here we go. All right, so today we're talking presidential pardons. And to start, just to give a little background, Dad, why don't you talk about what it is and where it comes from? Well, presidential pardons uh, comes from the British system where the monarch or the king could excuse anybody for any crime, and it was not limited. Uh, Eventually, uh, Parliament did limit it, saying that he couldn't excuse impeachment. But except for that, the king could do anything. So then we come over to the United States, and they're writing the Constitution, and they're trying to decide, okay, what parts of the English government, which we all know we kind of modeled uh, our freedom from, Uh, when they're drafting the Constitution, and in the original two drafts, the original two plans, pardon was not there because people were scared because they just had this king, and they were getting away from King George because he had all this power, and they didn't like a single person having all that power. But George Mason, one of the delegates, wanted to put that in. And then Alexander Hamilton supported it, and when he wrote the Federalist Papers, like we, a lot of us heard about when we were in school, he wrote that it's necessary to have a single monarch or a single person have that power because there were certain times when all of the other things had to be ignored and one person had to do the right thing, either to grant mercy or, and this has happened a lot, to make peace in America or make peace in the country. And the initial pardons, that's what they did. They pardoned whole groups right. in order to make peace in the country. Like in the past, they've pardoned a lot of the revolutionary soldiers from the other side or Confederate soldiers or you know things like that, sometimes way after the fact, but sometimes right. well, the, just big groups of people like that. Well, the first pardon ever was George Washington doing it in the Whiskey Rebellion, where we had a whole bunch of farmers that were rebelling against the United States, and George Washington used that uh, presidential pardon power for the first time and pardoned them. And and I know you'll get to it, but there's a difference between pardon and some other things that come within the same article of that that Constitution. Article 2, Section 2, Clause 1 of the U.S. Constitution. That's where it actually comes from, Um, and it talks about the clemency power of the president. So... What what does clemency power encompass? Because we've already talked about pardons, but there's more things that it encompasses. Well, yeah, I mean, when we talk about general clemency, uh, we talk about pardons, which is actually you know an official forgiveness for an acknowledged crime. Uh, there are also commutations, which means the president has the right to alter the sentence that a particular person was uh, was I guess sentenced to uh, after, and it's got to be federal after a federal uh, sentence. Okay, so, and we'll get to the federal limitation in a second, but, so, a pardon means 
it goes away and it's as if it never happened? No. Okay, so no. what is it? The, the person is still has to admit they committed a crime, but they're pardoned from they're being the forgiven the penalty. Right. So it's not as if they didn't commit the crime; it's just they're forgiven the entire penalty. Right. Anything okay, and then that I, could come bad from being convicted is gone. Okay, and then. From a commutation uh, perspective, that's like you have a 50-year sentence and the president says, well, now it's only five or it's time served and you can get out or whatever. They can just change the sentence to be whatever they want it to be or how does that work? No, they, can, they can't totally change it. They can limit it. In other words, if it's 15, they can't make it 20. If it's 15, they can make it seven. Well, that's what I mean. But if it's right. 15, can they make it time served if the person's only done six months? Yes, and that's yeah. actually what happens most of the time right. is time served. Like the commutation, if you're going to do it, you pretty much do it right. and let them get out. And if you and if you like, for instance, have probation following your sentence, that probation is still there. Or if you have a fine or if you have restitution, all that is still there. But they yeah. can they can they change all of that as well? They can change anything. The okay. president, not in fact, we say we're using the word they, but the president. president right. That's what we're focusing on right now because there are other political offices that have this power as well, similar power. But we're going to sp- specifically focus on the presidential pardon yeah. right now. One one additional aspect of clemency that people don't realize is sometimes the president has delayed an execution. In other words, he hasn't forgiven the person for, so they're not executed. But if the courts are reviewing it but haven't issued a stay, the president has the power and the clemency to actually stop an execution until the courts finish what they're doing. Okay, so... Uh, what in the past has been kind of the motivation for some of the pardons that you've seen? Well, I understand there's also individual pardons and group pardons. Where there's been times where entire groups were pardoned, like Vietnam uh, War protesters or deserters. The whole group was pardoned. The Whiskey Rebellion, we talked about that. The Civil War, the, the Southern soldiers, that whole group was pardoned. So Some of them not till after they died, but yes, that's true. Right, uh, but those are the big groups that have been pardoned, and they were pardoned in order to uh, reunite the country and to show mercy of the country and to show what a heart our country has. Individual ones, the really President Nixon when he was pardoned by. Uh, okay, Ford. so so we'll get into some of the specific really famous ones. I'm just asking, what are some of the the purposes and the reasons behind pardoning like is it political is it because they want to do the right thing is it like you're saying to keep the peace what what are some of the the motivations politically in the past that you've seen for these pardons i would suggest to you that anymore a lot of these decisions are political you see people that are pretty good contributors or that have the uh, i guess the shirt tail of a president an outgoing president those people will reap the benefit uh, of a commutation or a pardon I think if you kind of go back, way back, like George is talking about George Washington types days, Revolutionary War days, I think a lot of those pardons were really designed to kind of keep a, a fledgling America going in the right direction. And, you know, we had some bumps in, in the road and we had to make some decisions about letting some things slide in order to keep the republic working. But today, I, I don't think you see a lot of that. I think what you're seeing is, yeah, we, we owe this guy a favor. And that's for what everybody's saying about the couple that Trump has done is they're all politically motivated for people that are supporting him or backing him or whatever. But, but you know, that's they say that about Trump. But, you know, that's been the, the latest history. The, the recent history of, of pardons are big contributors to the sure, party. Sure, yeah, I think that's always been the because case. Because you've got to get the president's ear to get a, party, a pardon. Right. So how do you get the president's ear? Yes, uh, I don't know if you want to go the, the process, but, you know, you got to get the president's ear, and it's not easy. So we'll go through the process right after we finish the last background question. What are the limitations on the presidential pardon? Well, one is it has to be a federal crime. Okay. 
to... But there's some gray area, right? Because it's not... Hasn't there been some some discussion about him being able to pardon certain state or local crimes? There's a, has been, but it, it's not constitutional. Uh, no, he has never been able to pardon a state right. or local crime. Uh, he may want to as a president, but he hasn't been able to now, and the Constitution doesn't provide for that. Um, so it's got to be a federal crime, and interestingly enough, it doesn't have to be someone convicted of a crime or even charged with a crime. President Nixon is an example, never charged, never convicted, but he received a presidential pardon. And so you've got it, a much broader uh, scope of what can be pardoned, but it has to be a federal crime or related to federal crimes. Any other limitations? Uh, impeachment. It can't be impeachment and they can't pardon themselves. That's a constitutional argument. Right. Yes. Uh, there's actually two sides to that particular argument. Some scholars say you can't pardon himself. Some say he could pardon himself. Right, well, but it's never happened. Right. It's never say, happened. There's, a, there's a great meme on social media that talks about if you know president gets uh, impeached, then the vice president becomes president, then in, uh, pardons the president, and then appoints him as vice president, and then abdicates, so he becomes president again. Yeah, yeah, but and and that's happened in the past too, where you know former presidents get pardoned for things, and we're going to get into that. We've already mentioned Nixon, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that. So what is the process then of pardoning? How does somebody go about trying to get a presidential pardon? How are they successful? How does it usually work? Well, you can talk about the stated, how the rule actually reads versus how things happen in practice. I was going to say, are we talking about the easy way or the hard way? (laughs) You know, it's, but there's a pardon attorney and it's part of the uh, Department of Justice. And people apply, there's a form you can fill out. You put all your paperwork, all your information on it, and you send it to the pardon attorney in the Department of Justice. They review it, and they make recommendations to the president. However, we've seen in the past that individuals, high-profile individuals, who have certain connections to the president, for instance, Kim Kardashian apparently went to the president about a particular individual to be pardoned. And the president, I'm sure, sent it to the pardon attorney. And I'm sure the pardon attorney then sent it back to the president and said, yeah, this is somebody you should pardon, and he pardoned it. So if you've got a special connection and the president actually sends something. Or if you're an important or rich person, it's a lot easier to get involved. Absolutely. Well, the truth of the matter is you know, the office of the pardon attorney uh, at the Department of Justice doesn't have that many pardons to consider. They pretty much have every inmate in the United States that's yeah. in prison for a federal crime. The same calls that we get sometimes. <laughs> Literally like, Can you take day. my case for free? I'm innocent. I've been in jail for 30 years. Right. So it's, I guess, a lot easier if you know the president and the president says, hey, can I pardon this guy? And the pardon attorney looks at it and says, um, yes. Yeah, I'm sure the president sending a name to the pardon attorney has a lot of influence. <laughs> right. And, and that's kind of how some people talked about how presidents can have influence over state and local crimes and pardoning them. And we'll, we'll touch on that really quick now because I don't want to get into it too much. But is there anybody else besides the president in the United States that has the power to pardon somebody? Not on federal crimes, but on state crimes, state governments have established ways of establishing pardons. For instance, Florida, the governor cannot pardon somebody on his own in Florida. In Florida, it has to be the, gov- the governor and two cabinet members, uh, one of them being the attorney general. So we, and we've seen in Florida recently that our pardon system, our parole system was unconstitutional because of the arbitrary way it was done. So pardons in Florida are different than the federal system. And, you know, when you really think about it, that's really an, an awesome power assigned to one man. It's, it's, it's the one place that I can think of where the separation of powers and the checks and balances between the various uh, parts of government, legislative, judicial, and executive, where they really don't balance each other out. The president can just do it if he wants to do it all by himself, no limitation. 
Right. And, you know, we're, we're going to get into it now. We might as well get into the, the meat of the episode now. But I did want to just make sure everybody knows there is different ways that it can happen on the state and, and local levels as well. The same thing that happens federally because those are separate crimes. And the president can have influence over some of those state pardons. They can talk to the governor or talk to somebody in a different state if they really want to influence them on pardoning somebody during their presidency. And we talked about federal crimes, but that also includes military. Right. And so if someone's court-martialed, the president can pardon someone from being court-martialed. So right, because that's a possible crime. That's right. right. So, so that falls into the category of, yeah, crimes, possible crimes, and punishments, right. and federal. Right. So let's get into first, I guess we can kind of take this in any direction we want. Let's talk about some of the craziness that's happened in our country's history when it regards to pardons. We can either talk about famous people that are pardons, heinous crimes that were pardoned, you know, which president pardoned the most people, commutations, things like that, wherever you want to go with it. And we can start with Nixon because that seems to be one of the most famous ones. How did that situation play out? Well, can I start? Let me step one step back. Here's the, the Nixon saga. Nixon pardons Jimmy Hoffa. So if everybody remembers, Jimmy Hoffa Teamsters. was the team's organized crime figure. Right. So then Richard Nixon has some, obviously, his own issues. Watergate. Watergate right. And he's impeached. Gerald Ford pardons richard nixon now before any crimes were charged or anything before, right. yeah, any he, convictions he, he, any plea so how does that work dad so so if if you're pardoned and it's not as if the crime goes away and you still have to admit wrongdoing what if you're pardoned before a crime's ever been charged well that's an interesting question and frankly it it's great for that person because they're not charged with a crime they're not convicted of a crime so they never really have to admit to anything okay. nixon never admitted so it is like nothing ever crime. happened then so it's like nothing ever Although happened he was you convicted. can't touch him you're convicted in the court of public opinion at that right. point, I'm sure. Yeah, but, but you know what's interesting? Again, back a different time, a different place. Nixon was given uh, his pardon, and he didn't get prosecuted federally. But he could have been prosecuted by state authorities. But, you know, back then, we really didn't think about being, you know, vicious or vindictive. In today's world, we really would. In today's world, you look. Trump. The, the state of New York. The state of New York is prosecuting Trump or investigating Trump individually as a state. Therefore, they're doing that so that Trump cannot pardon himself or someone else couldn't pardon him federally because he could still be prosecuted in the state. And they did that to was it Manafort, right? That's his name. Manafort, he has been convicted federally. They're worried Trump's going to pardon him on his federal convictions. So what does the state of New York do? They start prosecuting him in state charges so that Trump's pardon wouldn't have any impact. It's like forum shopping. Yeah, for sure. Right. Okay, L let me add one more step to the Nixon thing. Okay. Listen how far this can go. So Ronald Reagan, when he leaves office, pardons George Steinbrenner, who you may know as uh, the owner or was the, the owner Yankees. of the Yankees, for illegal campaign contributions given to Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon. Yeah. So so yeah, he was convicted of that, or was he convicted of that, or being investigated for that Steinbrenner? Either way, it had to do with Nixon, and he and all these people around, all of Nixon's shadiness right. got pardoned, and Nixon pardoned plenty of people on his own. Um, so w when you talk about you know some of these people and some of the different pardons, um, I'm looking for it here, Richard Nixon. How about are you looking for Nixon still? Yeah, I'm trying to see how many he pardoned. Go ahead. No, I was just going to switch gears to and talk about uh, some other pretty cool people that have been pardoned. Go ahead. Um, my personal favorite. Uh, is uh, Bill Clinton. He pardoned his brother. Yeah, his brother had drug <laughs> convictions and he pardoned him. Like, I mean, how, how does that, how's that never talked about? Like, of all the stuff that is on the political pundits every day and we hear about all this stupid stuff on both sides of the aisle, picking apart, 
you know, you know, fake arrest records or fake people kidnapping me or, or, you know, somebody fighting with a college kid wearing a make America great a hat, uh, again, hat. And we, we, we make all these things and we blow them up and nobody talks about that. You know, Bill Clinton uses his presidential power to pardon his brother for a drug conviction. Like this, this pardon stuff seems to be the biggest abuse of power of any political power, anything that I can possibly see that's never talked about. I mean, and it's it, crazy. And it's all talk about political. It also has a political motive. Think about it. Uh, on his last day in office, President Obama pardoned or commuted more sentences than in the history of anybody else on their last day. I think he did 300 on so the last what, day. And mostly, and mostly because mostly their drug offenses, which a lot of people might agree those people had far too severe sentences. But the, fo- the point is, it was to forward his political agenda and that he didn't believe in these heavy drug sentences so he could use his individual power as president to circumvent the courts and reduce and all circumvent their sentences. the the legislation right our legislature right. because they're the ones that write these laws the judicial system's the one that implements them and fights about them and you know convicts people and sentences people and one guy overturned or changed thousands of sentences and pardons. So for, for when I'm looking at the number of, of, uh, commutations, you have some people like, you know, Lyndon B. Johnson was 200 something Truman, a hundred something, you know, Bush 20 something Reagan, less than a hundred Clinton, less than a hundred, uh, George W. Bush, less than a hundred. And you go to Obama and he has 1200 commutations. Right. That's, I mean, that's like a thousand more than anybody else for these sentences that he's changing. It's one guy, and it's important because we have all of these systems and processes in place. It takes years and years and years and years for a bill to become a law and these statutes to be implemented and then to be fought about and argued about and go through all these branches of government, have lawyers fight about the case, have judges make decisions, have juries be impaneled, juries make these hard decisions and deciding whether or not this person's innocent or guilty, judges listening to more hearings and more testimony about what should this sentence be. And the judge using all of their education and experience coming up with this sentence, using the guidelines put before them, and then one guy can go with a one fail swoop and twelve hundred guys, twelve hundred sentences can and be just, changed like that. It's think good about to it. be king. Those twelve hundred sentences. Crazy. Those twelve hundred sentences, a lot of them were probably mandatory minimums. Right. Where the judges didn't have that discretion and they had to sentence them to this amount. Think about all those people that are were in prisons under the same circumstances as those 1,200 people, yeah. but they didn't get their pardons in, and they're still sitting in prison. It also depends on who the president is. You know, Jimmy Carter, which I all think is, we all realize was probably a fairly liberal president, forgave all the Vietnam draft dodgers that fled to Canada. Now, another more conservative president might not have done that. So you can't say that politics... And then sometimes people on both this. sides of the aisle crucify anybody that was a draft dodger, right. you know, well, but... I'm going to say, and let me tell you how times change. Since you you brought up Jimmy Carter, you know who else he pardoned? That was really interesting. Again, Jimmy Carter, a Democratic president, fairly liberal. He pardons Jefferson Davis, who was the president president of the Confederacy. Yeah. So after he was dead. Oh yeah, it was posthumous for sure. Well, Jimmy Carter is a son of the Confederacy. Recognized Southern boy. But you know, Georgia's had their fair share of ripping down statues of Jefferson Davis. Right. Yeah. And so some of the other things, I mean, it's, it's obvious to me when I just look at this list of, you know, who pardoned the most people who, who has the most commutations, mostly democratic presidents have more pardons. I don't know why. I don't know if you have any insight as to why that is, you know, pushing agenda or political reasons or whatever. That's just a fact when you look through and the most ever, the president with the most ever pardons is, is FDR 3,687. So just think about that. 
So these are 3,687 people, and I'm sure some of them were groups like you're talking about, whether it's draft dodgers or, or whatever, because a lot of stuff was going on when FDR was president, and he has the, the, the numbers will be skewed because he was the only guy that was president for 12 years versus four or eight or even less for some people. But 3,687 people that were arrested, tried, convicted, and sentenced that he just said nope and crossed off a list. I mean, well, that is Only crazy. two presidents had no pardons, and both of them died in office within about a month of being elected. Who's that? Um, it was Garfield. And, and William Henry Harrison. Yeah, those are yeah. the only two that did not have pardons. So and that, that brings me to one of my other questions. I want to keep talking about this because this is fun, the, the people that were pardoned. But when is it normal, and this is a question I know the answer to, but when is it normal for presidents to do these pardons and computation, computations? Normally, it's at the end of their term when they're going to be leaving their term of they're office. They're not worried about re-election Correct. anymore. Right, because a lot of the pardons are very unpopular people. And uh, But now, on the other hand, some presidents don't give a hoot. And they pardon people even though it's going to be politically a hot potato. Like this one. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so when you when you look at some of the people that Obama pardoned specifically and individually, it's crazy. Uh, He's only done the, ten. Is that right? He's only who, done ten pardons. I saw five no, for Trump, but ten, it's still no. being updated. Trump's done ten pardons. Done that's ten it. pardons for commutations as that's of it. the end of May. That's it. Just that's it. I yeah, but he's not. but he's he hasn't even been president four years yet. So and that's what I'm saying. Like Obama, it was hundreds the last his last minute in office basically. So. We'll see what happens with Trump when this four years ends. And then if he gets another election, I'm sure it'll go bananas the second time around. But like Obama, the the uh, soldier responsible for the WikiLeaks who got a 35-year prison sentence pardoned by Obama. I mean, that's just crazy to me. All the stuff we talk about, you know, for months and months and months on all the news stations, uh, the debates, it got into the presidential debates. People fight about it, argue it. This guy got convicted, did it. And then just gets pardoned. I mean, that type of stuff to me is absolutely crazy. And that's what I think when we go back with revisionist history on who was the great president, who wasn't, who did this or that, I think we should look first to their pardons and who they pardoned and what that shows about, you know, where their politics are, what agendas they were looking at. I mean, to me, it's just crazy to see that some of these guys had like Woodrow Wilson, 2,500 pardons, Um, Harry Truman, 2,000. Who pardoned the Confederate soldiers? I don't I don't know off the top of my head Johnson. which one. It must have been Andrew Johnson. When you got you yeah. got, you know, Calvin must Coolidge fifteen hundred, Lyndon B. Johnson twelve hundred, Jimmy Carter six hundred, uh Ulysses S. Grant fourteen hundred. A lot of the ones that during wartime it seems like have the, the highest pardon rates, which I'm sure that's no coincidence. Um and then it's interesting because you have some of the other ones that you know, you have Bush who only has a couple hundred. You have um you know, when you go back, you see George Washington. 16. John yeah. Adams, 21. They you took know, it a lot more seriously back then. Yeah. I'll bet you those 16 to 21 pardons, if you, you actually go back I'll... and find what they are, they weren't family members and politically motivated That's individuals. crazy. Yeah. You know what's family funny about members. that number? I just realized that number. They're not including the group pardons. Or the oh, well, I wonder if those are commutations or amnesties. Yeah, because yeah. he did the Whiskey Rebellion. They pardoned everybody. You know there are more than 16 farmers in the Whiskey yeah, Rebellion. Yeah, but I don't, you don't know if that was a commutation. It was a pardon. No, it was a pardon. He well, it's, pardoned not, it's not counted as a pardon. I know it. That's what I'm saying. Or the Civil War. All, the, all those uh, soldiers in the Civil War were pardoned. The word they use is amnesty, and that is that comes from the pardon power. Yeah. And he gave amnesty to all the Civil War veterans. So you can't, those those numbers just can't be in those numbers. Yeah. And you got Dwight Eisenhower, who did 1,100, Teddy Roosevelt, 900, 
William McKinley, 900, JFK, 600. I mean, just there's just so many people. You look through this, thousands and thousands of people that were convicted after all this work from the legislative and the judicial branch that just goes away in one fell swoop to me is just absolutely well, crazy. Speaking about all the work, uh, the sheriff down in uh, New Mexico, Joe, I can't hear you. Joe Aparillo, or Aparillo, the sheriff, he convicted of a misdemeanor. He was, so they went through all the trial of that sheriff. He's convicted of a misdemeanor contempt of court. You think about that. So some judge found him in contempt of his own order, and Trump was able to just make it go away. All right. So before we wrap it up, is there any other you know specific pardons or commutations you want to talk about before we go? Well, to me, always the fascinating ones have been the groups that have been pardoned. And John Adams pardoned all the deserters in the Revolutionary War. So you've got the deserters in the Revolutionary War. You have the Civil War, the Confederate soldiers. You have the deserters in the Vietnam War. And protesters. Right, because their protest was leaving right. and going to Canada. Um, so you've got these large groups. Think of what the country would be like if those presidents did not use their pardon power for that. Think about the South, if all the Confederate soldiers were not forgiven their crimes, or the Revolutionary War, or Vietnam. Those were healing reasons to do that, and it worked. It kept our country united. But that's for groups. Yeah, for me, I thought that was... Every now and then you look at the names and you think of like out uh, people that are have good names and have great reputations. Yeah. And I looked at one, and it was President Buchanan that did this particular uh, pardon. And he pardoned a young man by the name of Brigham Young. I'm like, the Brigham Young, as in Brigham Young University? Well, come to find out, and I didn't know this until uh, we did a little bit of research, in Utah, there were these things called the Mormon Wars. Yep. And apparently it was not a happy time. And Brigham Young was somebody that was considered a, a militant. Uh, during right, this fought time in those period. wars, right, committed right. crimes. And was in charge of revolution, basically. Right. And, and he was, was pardoned. pardoned and now has a university named yep. after him. There are a ton. I encourage anybody that's listening, go out there, do some Google research, look through some of the people and some of the sentences that have been changed or pardoned. And it will blow your mind that, you know, just one guy, one president can do this. And nobody really talks about it after the fact because, in my opinion, it's become so commonplace. Everybody just kind of expects it. So none of the political shows even talk about it because if a Republican pointed out some Democratic president's pardons, then they would have 50 that they could point out for the Republicans and vice versa. So there's no even reason to fight about these. Right. And no and no party wants to give up the power to pardon because when they're in power, they want to be able to pardon. Exactly. So, you know, And you think about it, that may be one of the reasons this was all put together. At some point, you never know when you need to get yourself out of trouble in the future. <laughs> exactly. Or a group. As we've already talked about, a lot of this is happening to the groups. And a lot of people joke that it's an oligarchy, but it really is. You know, you got Ford pardoning Nixon. You got somebody pardoning Steinbrenner, you know, who gave money to Nixon. And they all kind of look out for each other once you get into that, you know, oligarchy that runs the country. But... So yeah, go look it up. Do some of your own research. It's kind of crazy to to dive into this a little bit more like we did. It was a fun podcast. Thanks everybody for listening in and we'll be back with you guys next time. <laughs>